Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tan Bettis with you this morning, taking your calls at 801-575-8255, or you can text your questions, 57500. Next listener, Tan, says they planted a regal petticoat maple back in April. It was root-bound in the pot, and they cut and managed to straighten out some of the roots. Now it needs support to stay upright, and they want to know how long will it need to be supported? Well, it will need to be supported for at least a year depending on how much the roots were disturbed. And so what I would recommend doing is putting stakes into two sides and then using some rope to wrap around each stake onto the trunk. And they want just a little bit of play in that trunk so that as it sways in the wind that it will build some root strength. So they don't want it so tightly held that the trunk is just completely supported by a stake because it will continue to remain weak and one unable to support itself. Okay. Next listener wants to know, is there still a benefit to aerate their lawn right now? They couldn't find anyone earlier in the spring. You can aerate right now, yes. With the cooler weather, the lawn will recover just fine. You can actually aerate throughout the entire season. It's just that we usually recommend it in the spring because the lawn recovers more quickly than it does at other times of the year. Uh, Next listener says one of their Savoy cabbages survived the winter. Now it has hundreds of seed pods that are starting to mature. They want to know if those seeds produce cabbage or should they buy some new ones at the store? I would buy some new ones. The cabbage plants have so many closely related relatives in the weed world that it probably would not come back true to type. Okay. Pat is on the line in Camas. Good morning, Pat. What is your question? My question is about my old lilac trees. They were 45 years old, and some have lived, but a few have died out. I want to know how to feed the emerging plants that are coming up where those old trees died died out, and I'm getting such conflicting information online that I wanted your opinion of what kind of food I should give them. Well, you're finding out that the internet makes anybody a horticulturist, even if they're not. (laughs) So I think the, if you want to fertilize them, just a general lawn fertilizer is just fine. Don't apply a weed and feed to them, but any lawn fertilizer would be fine. And for a lilac that size, I might apply probably a half of a cup 
a fertilizer around spreader on the base of the plant, just under and around the, you know, the canopy. Okay. Don't just pour it in one spot, but spread it out like salt and pepper, shake it around the canopy. Some of the things they recommended were 5, 10, 10 as a balance in in, uh, food. Also, they recommended bone meal, coffee grounds, and then one said coffee grounds and then said no coffee grounds, and eggshells. Any, so, any, any of those would be fine but the eggshells. We have plenty of calcium in our soil, and there's no okay. reason to be putting eggshells into your soil. Um, I, I mean, for me, just out of ease, a lawn fertilizer will be fine. I don't think you need to go buy a special fertilizer because the plant doesn't know, you know, it doesn't know, oh my gosh, you used a 16, 16, 16 on me and I'm going to die. You know, they just don't work that way. So what about bone meal? Leave it alone. It's just use a fertilizer. All right. Thank you. Yep. You're welcome. Uh, next listener, Ton, says, what lawn weed killer can be used in these hot temperatures? Are they hot? They're going to be. <laughs> so once you hit about 85... They didn't 85, say these. That yeah. came out of my mouth. Yeah, That's 85 what... degrees is our critical temperature. And my grapes in my yard, I went out there last Monday, and all the new growth is coming out curled, and I didn't spray anything. Hmm. So it's drifted in, and so it's already been borderline too hot with these winds especially. So right now, the only one I would really want to use, and I I use that in kind of air quotes, is Image um, All-in-One Lawn Weed Killer, just because it doesn't have the temporary, temperature restrictions. People really need to check those labels, though, to make sure that they're applying them in the correct spaces. And just because it's registered for summer use doesn't mean you can use it everywhere. And so you really need to refer to the label. Uh, next listener needs some help with hydrangeas. Uh, she's had them for four years, never had a single blossom. I don't know why I say she. I don't know that this is a she. Uh, they have now grown so tall that they're hiding their pretty picket fence. Uh, they're all green. There are some little seeds, uh, but they ordered these, and they were supposed to be flowering. They say they've been pretty patient. They feel like they should take them out, but they cost them a lot of money, and they're wondering what they could do. Welcome to the world of hydrangeas, Aww. especially the large leaf hydrangea that people see on the West coast and East of the Mississippi blooms a lot of the summer, but they're just not a great plant for Utah. And they're finding why now if they're pruned every year and they are big leaf hydrangea, they may be pruning off all the flower buds. And so you don't prune them. And if you do any pruning, you just take out the dead branches. Okay. That's something to be aware of. Maybe they're pruning them. Um, okay, let's see. We have another text coming in here. Uh, they say that they have a tiny black beetle in their corn. They want to know how they could get rid of them. They say they damage the corn just like a corn worm. Yes. And so they're going to need to download USU's fact sheet on uh, sweet corn, and they will have some pest control measures in there. But they're after the sweet sap from the corn kernels. And so the control is going to be very similar to corn earworm. And go ahead and download that fact sheet and you can get the details there. 
We were talking earlier today with Dave because we know how much he loves tomatoes, even though he loves Christmas more, I think. Um, so a lot of the tomatoes, there are tomatoes on the plants when they sh- they don't usually have tomatoes till later in the season, just when due to these cooler temperatures. When temperatures are below 90, the tomatoes will set buds and flowers and produce fruit a lot sooner than they normally would. And like there's a tomato called Fourth of July that I like because it sets flowers super early and that fruit develops in July. And no matter how hot it gets through July, you've got some tomatoes. And so if it stays cooler, we will have tomatoes a lot sooner than normal. But if we get up into the high 90s and low 100s, then even the fruit itself that's green, the development will slow drastically or stop. And then they will start to ripen again when the weather cools down. Won't impact the plant, though. doesn't harm the no, plant. No, it doesn't harm the plant. It just means that the plant isn't going to be producing a lot of fruit until we're consistently below 90. All right. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. Phone lines are open, so you can call us now. You can also text us your questions at 57500. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. We do have another caller asking Ton about hydrangeas. They say theirs have grown too tall. They're covering their fence up, again, without a blossom. Can they cut them down? What happens if they cut them right now? Well, it's not that they have flowered anyway, from what it sounds like, but they would lose flowers for a couple of years. Oh. Well, and they're using it as a small hedge, so I'm not sure you want to lose flowers, but they also don't want them that tall. It didn't sound like they had flowered. I don't know. Well, that's true. They say yeah. that they haven't flowered. I mean, the so. only thing they could do is keep track of the branches that produced the flowers this year and nip those ones out so that this year's growth will be next year's flowers. Mm-hmm. And so you'd almost treat them like a raspberry or blackberry to where any wood or a lot of the wood older than two years old is what you would cut out because most of your flowers are coming on one-year-old branches. Okay. Uh, next listener says they have a young skyline honey locust, which uh, they planted three years ago. The trunk has been wrapped each winter. It's grown significantly this year and is now very top heavy. Uh, that we've had more wind this year. You and I were just talking about that, and it's kind of flopping over. Uh, they have it loosely staked, but it still droops. Should it be? Should the stake be tighter, or what are your suggestions? They live in Provo. If the canopy is overwhelming the trunk, they may, may need to find 
the longest branches and just follow them back and then cut them out at, you know, maybe a third of the length just so that it balances the tree a little bit more and allows time for the trunk to catch up. Otherwise they're just going to need to leave it staked, but you could have a situation where those branches for the next five or 10 years would be able to overwhelm the trunk. And so they may need to hedge it back a bit. Uh, Next listener would like you to explain how to prevent peached tree borer. Okay. So we've had a lot of questions about this and about a week to two weeks ago is the time to put on a spray. I've had some conversations with the Utah Department of Agriculture and others about recommended sprays. And I want to modify what I recommend a little bit just because of recommendations from UDAF. And so up until very recently, 38 plus was a primary recommendation of multiple extension services because it's a permethrin product that is not systemic that you could spray on trunks of trees that get wood boring insects in them. Mm -hmm. But the 38 plus label is kind of ambiguous and peaches aren't directly labeled, but not really forbidden. And so just to keep things on label, I'm no longer recommending 38 plus as a spray for peach trees. If they've used it, it's fine. It's not systemic or anything, but moving forward, there's a product made by high yield called pet um, garden and farm spray. That is also a permethrin. It's not as concentrated, but it has peaches on the label. And so that would need to be sprayed every three weeks through the summer starting now until mid-September. If they want something organic, Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew is registered, and you spray the trunk, lower limbs, and especially around the base, but that one needs to be sprayed weekly, and you don't want to mix a bunch and just leave it. You need to mix a little bit every time you spray for either of them. All right. Mark is on the line in Salt Lake City. Good morning, Mark. What was your question? Uh, yes, I'm being invaded in my just my front yard right now by a bunch of little tiny grasshoppers. I have seen one big one and everything like that. I'd like to know what I could put down to 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 get. I know I'm not going to get rid of all of them, but I would like to reduce their numbers. Is there is there something I could spray or a bait or something like that that I can put down? Do you see them congregating in some plants more than others? No, they're just out there in the yard. They're little tiny ones. I'm walking over what, what yard I do have left. I think, you know, because of the drought last year, I did neglect things out there and everything like that. I wanted to take care of my backyard where it's kind of my little oasis and everything like that. But as I walk across the lawn, they just, they're just jumping on, you know, they're just jumping and getting out of the way. Do you live in an area that borders wildland or, say, far, fallow farm fields Nope, or I'm up here in Sugar House okay. with a couple, you know. Okay, that's fine. So what I would do is where they're congregating, I would just do a general insecticide spray. You know, normally, you know, about a month or six weeks ago, I would have had you put down a product called no low bait, but it's been unavailable Uh for several years. And so just a general insecticide spray to, to kill the young ones, because as they age, they become a lot harder to kill. Now, you're okay. also going to want to keep an eye out to see if they start congregating in plants like lilacs or forsythia or, say, okay. the corn in your garden if you have one. 
and you may need to focus on spraying those particular plants. We'd almost call, we'd call them a trap crop more often so that you can kill them before they spread to other parts of your yard. Yeah, there there are several lilacs, and you know, well, there's one on my property, and there's a couple on the adjacent property. What would be a good spray to use? There are several that part that pet garden and farm would be one you could try, but any general lawn and garden spray containing like permethrin, uh, you know, lambda cyhalothrin, or there's a number of the pyrethroids. You don't want to overdo those because you can knock out a lot of beneficials, but you can do an initial uh-huh. spray with them. Okay. All right. Good deal. Well, war has been declared. I guess the next half hour I will be listening on the radio going and getting product. Okay. All right, Mark. Thanks so much for your call this morning. All right. Thanks. You bet. Uh, Next listener, Tom, says, what are are the best native plants for hummingbirds? Boy, that's one. Penstemons, if they're still blooming when the hummingbirds are here. But anything with a tubular flower. And so when you're talking natives, maybe the Zoshnaria would be another one that they would go to. But they do love honeysuckles. And we have some native honeysuckles, but not really widely available. There's twinberry that you can sometimes find, find, which is a honeysuckle bush. Non-native wise, I think the trumpet vines are really one that they like, but anything with a longer tubular flower, and we don't have a lot of native native plants with that, and so they may need to just find some that are adapted to Utah. We love the hummingbirds. We love watching them. We have several feeders, and this year there have been very few hummingbirds. Maybe it's because it's been cooler and they're not here yet, but even the ones that we have seen come by, they just kind of turn up their noses at our feeders, and we're like, what's going on? Well, the the birds imprint on us. If they find flowers or a food source, they imprint on that and come back every year. You know, and the hummingbirds migrate south into Mexico and in the east coast of Caribbean, and they come back north, and the cooler weather could be slowing them down. Hmm. Okay, well, I hope that that's the case and that not that they're turning their noses up Yeah. Our- Hummingbird feeders. Uh, next listener says, how do they treat fruit trees whose leaves have little holes and then turn yellow and fall off? So I think that it might be Corinium blight. They would want to email pictures to their local extension office. But I, it sounds like Corinium, maybe a couple of other things, but email pictures. All right. We're going to take a break. Come back following the news. Thanks for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 